show now So what's it gonna be? Cause people will tune in How many train wrecks do we need to see Before we lose touch of And we thought this was low Well it's bad getting worse on Where'd all the good people go? Changing channels, I don't see them on the TV shows. Where'd all the good people go? We got heaps and heaps of what we see. They got this and that with a rattle attack test and one, two. Now, what you gonna do? Bad news, missed news, got too much to lose. Give me some truth now, whose side are we on? Whatever you Turn on the boob tube, I'm in the mood to obey, so lead me astray. And by the way now, where'd all the good people go? I've been changing channels, I don't see them on the TV show. Where'd all the good people go? We got heaps and heaps of what? Jack Johnson, Jesus once taught, you reap what you sow, and Jack has just sung and said, yep, TV gives us heaps and heaps of what we sow. The great 17th century mathematician, physicist, Christian philosopher, Blaise Pascal, one of my favorites back in my old French classes in college, wrote, by means of a diversion... We can avoid our own company 24 hours a day. Television can be hours and days of diversion from our own company. And I don't think it takes a whole lot of reflection to understand what Blaze was getting at, but we can avoid looking at our own lives. We can avoid self-examination, self-reflection. We can avoid weighing the pros and cons of our life. What are we doing? What is meaning? And on and on. Let the TV just fill the vacuum. This is another selected topic this morning. We've already had something in this sermon series titled, So Weird, It's Revolutionary, to be a follower of Christ is to be countercultural, going against the grain. It's, uh, it is revolutionary, and we've already had a sex talk and um, a reverence for life uh, reflection, and today the topic is in one word, television. Now, of course, we're not saying, and I'm not suggesting, all TV is bad. I mean, there is, just as one example, educational television. It's wonderful. There are rich and instructive shows on numerous channels from time to time. Sports, too. And sometimes helpful news. There are some great opportunities on TV. But what I am saying, and would argue to the, probably, you know, to the mat about, is that there is a lot of TV that is bad. A lot of advertising in the midst of good shows, but the advertising is bad. Bad for us to watch in excess, bad for our children to watch, bad for all of us. Now, we could put TV in a big basket with the internet and smartphones and Facebook and YouTube and the like, but that topic is simply too large to address this morning. We only have a short amount of time, so we're just going to focus on one of these cultural icons, one of these cultural idols, um, the television. 
some of these thoughts may apply to these other media as well. You know, there are many pejorative uh, terms to describe television that's in our common language. You use them too. The boob tube. You know, the British definition of boob is an embarrassing mistake. Turn on the boob tube to see an embarrassing mistake, whichever is the next reality show, for example. It's also been called chewing gum for the mind. A bit pejorative, showing disdain held by many people for this medium of communication. It was spoken first in a speech in 1961 as the vast wasteland. Another TV critic wrote years ago, he said writing, he was first of all writing about television in the 1960s, and he noted that on-air vulgarity was highly frowned upon. And then he goes on to say that even by the 70s, television was shaping the ideas of propriety and appropriateness in the countries that the medium of television blanketed. He asserted, this TV critic, his name was Milton Shulman, that as a particularly pervasive and ubiquitous medium, television could create such a comfortable familiarity with and acceptance of language and behavior once deemed socially unacceptable. It's changed our minds, changed our hearts about what is socially okay, what's acceptable, what's appropriate, what's even courteous or hospitable. And so he concludes television, as well as influencing its viewers, also evoked an imitative response from other competing media as they struggled to keep peace keep the pace and retain viewer or keep the readership on their, on their own um, watch. So not only does TV have its own pervasive influence, much of it negative, it causes others to try to emulate that negative influence, to try to tantalize you, to seduce you, to stir you, to be more titillating as it competes with the television medium. There's a study published in 2008 from some professors at uh, the University of Maryland and said that people who were not satisfied with their lives spend 30% more time watching TV than satisfied people do. It was conducted, this research, with 30,000 people between the years 1975 and 2006. So it's a pretty big survey pool. And the, uh, the authors of this study concluded based on this study, that the pleasurable effects of television could be likened to an addictive, addictive activity producing momentary pleasure, but long-term misery and regret. Think about that from an objective observer of this television. So, being weird, being revolutionary, What about being intentional and perhaps even frugal about the amount of TV in your life? You know, we live in a culture that's a lot like the mighty Mississippi River, which drains three-quarters of the United States into that one one basin down to New Orleans. That river is fast-moving, it's deep, it's big, it's dangerous, and it'll take you to the Gulf of Mexico whether you want to go there or not. Likewise, our culture will take you down the river unless you become an intentional, 
eyes wide open, mind alert, stand your ground advocate, and a disciplinary for your time and for your life when it comes to TV. What's the problem, you may be asking, but maybe not. Maybe we all know. Well, Jack Johnson in that song is really getting at it. You know, he, his line, we thought this was low, it's bad getting worse, so. He has another line, how many train wrecks do we need to see? Bad news misused is another line. Give me some truth, he begs in that song. And in a final verse that we didn't hear this morning, station to station, desensitizing the nation, going Going, gone. Morals, right thought, right belief, right relationships, going, going, gone. Where did all the good people go, Jerry Springer? Where are the role models and noble heroes and persons of high moral character? How often do you see on a percentage basis and controlling, mean-spirited, egotistical father, or a dumb, thoughtless mother to awaken comedy or get a quick laugh. And my personal uh, picky point, do you ever see a really wonderful pastor or priest on TV? Almost never. They're all kind of foolish, irrelevant kind of people. The best may have been Father Mulcahy on MASH years ago, and he kind of sometimes unintentionally bumbled into some success, but he was kind of an afterthought and kind of irrelevant, the idea of praying for somebody to be healed, for example. There you go. Where did all the people go? You know, some say TV has no influence on how we think, do, and behave, so they argue against worrying about having too much violence on TV or too much uh, X-rated stuff on TV because it has no influence. And I'm always quick to respond to that thought, well, why then are billions spent on TV advertising if not because of the conviction that you can be influenced by what you hear and see through this medium? And if advertising does influence you to need this and want that, will watching The Simpsons for 25 years influence you and your thinking now i know we all have favorite shows that we want to protect and defend i have my own that i won't even put into this sermon because i watch it on the side (laughs) but the simpsons is simply one of mine that i simply cannot bear to watch so if i'm picking on your favorite show i apologize but for me they're getting pretty low this series has been described as a satirical parody Now, parody means to mock or to trivialize. And The Simpsons is a satirical parody of middle-class American lifestyle epitomized by this family with Homer and uh, Bart and Marge, etc. Homer, what a role model for fatherhood or being a husband or being a spiritual leader of your family. What a role model for you dads. And what an example for our children. This is what dad is like. Hopefully you're not. One article goes on commenting on this show and uses the word parody again. The show parodies 
mocks, trivializes American culture, society, television itself, many aspects of the human condition. I mean, sometimes I do ask, not that I watched it all the time, but I did watch it sometimes, what happened to the Waltons and John Boy? Well, with The Simpsons, it debuted on December 17, 1989. The show has broadcast 541 episodes, and its 25th season began last September. It is the longest-running American sitcom, and it even surpassed Gunsmoke as the longest-running American primetime scripted television series. That's a lot of homer for somebody to see. Oof. I spoke this week with some of our revolutionaries here at St. Paul's, the ones who um, are so weird. These are some who are positive, intentional radicals when it comes to TV. These have canceled their cable, unplugged their TV, and are living intentionally in opposition, if you will, to the presence of the TV. Well, I had one on video, but the ice storm stopped us short. Um, beside a warm fire with no electricity, I interviewed one of our fathers, Mark Greenslit, who could not be here this morning because he's out of town. I had to admit, on video, he was a bit subdued. He had been in a bike accident this week. He had four broken ribs and a broken collarbone. But he was willing, because I believe he felt so strongly about this, to, uh, from his uh, own shyness and introversion, to talk about his own, own family life. He talked about the day when, years ago, that they were looking for a cabinet to put into their corner of their den to fit a TV into. And instead, they got weird. They got revolutionary. They bought a chair and a reading lamp instead and put that in the corner. They've had no television in their home for 15 years or so. Mark enumerated some of the benefits of their lives with his four children. Family time. Elevated. Fewer distractions, he said. And he said, you know, the TV allows unwelcome guests into your house. He says, we benefit from not having unwelcome guests in our home. He commented also on the absence of strife or anger and fear. Because he said that's what TV promotes is strife, anger, and fear. And his sense was that it comes out of the tube into their own family life. And that without it, there is a, a minimizing of strife and anger and fear. And he spoke about, he said, there's simply some language on TV we don't allow in our home, to which I roundly agreed. And finally, he made a very insightful remark about advertising. He said, you know, TV breeds discontent. They tell you that there are things you need that you don't have, and they convince you that there are things that you want that you did not know you wanted. Now think about advertising. All advertising is supposed to produce what? Dissatisfaction. Discontent. I want that car. I want that toothpaste. I want that shampoo. I want that. I need that. It goes on and on and on. And think about this. It's not that it happens here or there. When the TV is on all the time, this is a pervasive, almost you could call brainwashing of our needs and wants, of our own moral decisions, our own moral character. Well, I have another person uh, that we did not record and got beyond the storm. She's here this morning, and that is uh, 
Lanier Prescott, and she was willing to be interviewed. I feel you all hear not enough from Tyler, and so this is uh, Tyler's better half, Lanier, who um, I have a few questions to ask in front of you about uh, being so weird. I know Tyler is, but, but I don't think of Lanier that way, but she's weird about television, apparently. And let me keep track of my questions here as well. But first of all, um, Lanier, hi. Good morning. How are you? You got your husband safely back from Haiti. Yeah. I should be, yeah, I should. You want me to hold this? Why don't you? Okay. Yeah, uh, thank you. And te- well, tell us, where is your TV? Do you have one? We have a TV. It lives in the closet. In the closet? Yes. Why is it in there? Um, because we don't want it out where we can watch it all the time. Um, but it's nice to be able to pull it out for watching movies or um, even like with Life Group, we pull it out so we have a bigger screen than just watching something on the computer. Very good. Oh, and the and Gamecocks. Game uh, okay, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> so if your TV's in the closet and you have it out just for an, 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 a movie from time to time that you get to choose and select what you're going to watch and there's no advertising, which is no, a huge bonus. Yes. Uh, so how do you get the news? I don't usually get much of it. <laughs> I don't get much of the news. You don't. Um, Are y'all newspaper? You're not newspaper people either. We're not newspaper people. Yeah. I have to say that I'm sort of glad about that. Um, when I have have read the newspaper recently from my parents or um, like when we've been out somewhere, I just haven't been blessed by what I've read in the yeah. newspaper either. And I thought I'm glad I don't get the newspaper. So I do sometimes get news rather late, um, but. It has been affected me. Did you know there was an ice storm this week I d- in yes, Somerville? I did. You didn't know I that. Uh, okay, yes, all right, lost good. Power all right. Yes. Yes. And so, since there isn't a TV in your home except in the closet, what is there instead? For what is there? Um, yeah, because all those hours that you don't have to watch TV, what 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 is there? Well, we when it's nice, we get outside and play a lot. Wh- what a novel <laughs> idea! That's great. Yes, we read books. Um, we have. Toys. The kids have toys we play with. We um, have a few things that we watch on the computer. The kids have a Jonathan Bird does a lot of underwater filming stuff, and yep. so we watch that occasionally as a treat. How long have you been without TV? Did your family mm-hmm. have it when you were growing up, for example? Or we, I did not. I, well, we had a TV growing up, but my parents didn't. We didn't watch. A, I guess we didn't have cable, and we didn't watch a lot of TV yeah. growing up. So they're kind of. Radical, weird, too. They are, yeah. Are Tyler's they? family did, so it was a bigger yeah. adjustment for him. Yeah. But you all made peace with that. We ha- yes, we've made peace with Any that. Any regrets? No. Okay. Thank you, Lanier, so much for sharing. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, I don't know who else is in their category. I know uh, Ben and Sharon Huff, no TV. I believe uh, Pam and Brant Shelburne, no TV. And there may be others of you. Ellen and, and I are not that radical, but we are very intentional about what we do with the television as well. Sick situation comedies, we hardly watch them. Advertising, hardly watch them. You know, since the advent of the DVR, uh, we do a lot of recording ahead of time. We watch the news at quarter till 7 and not at 6.30, and we blitz through the advertising. I, I'm a, a, an, a, an anti-advertising. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it, and it's a bunch of baloney anyway. Uh, sometime on a situation comedy, I simply uh, invite you in one of your shows, count how many lies are told in one show, always to the sound of laughter, 
and essentially endorsement for the humor's sake. There's often not a penalty for the lie uh, that has any real significance or consequence. And you think about it, and all of a sudden you realize all these situation comedies, so many of them are built on this telling of lies within the story and in the relationships. And yet, supposedly, it's okay. It's just funny. And yet, what does that teach to somebody, an adult or a child, who sees that week to week over and over and over again? Is that normative? Is that good? Is that right? Well, as I was saying, there are some great television shows, and there are some really bad ones. Choose wisely, in other words. What do you and your kids absorb and take in? Another decision Ellen and I made is that we have never had televisions in our bedrooms, in anybody's bedroom. That's simply our own personal, intentional decision. What I'm talking about is holy intention about what you do with the TV. Why don't we have it in the bedrooms? Well, for one thing, accountability for what is being watched. Everybody's seeing the same thing. But also, it had a wonderful side byproduct, is that we had to learn to share and compromise, and the adults even could set the example. There's only one TV screen, and so we're going to watch this or that, and we can't watch both. Who wins or who loves? And it's been a great just device of learning and uh, that life is about compromise and about giving and about sharing. So today, on this topic, this is simply an invitation for you to do the great old IBM logo. Think about what you're doing with your TV. Be intentional about your time and your TV exposure. What are you watching? How much time are you giving to that set? Very briefly, today's scriptures speak to being revolutionary about TV in some very rich way. Think, for example, parents about the reading from Corinthians. It reads like this for that context. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights, I will watch whatever I want. Yeah, I know this is R-rated and it's got terrible language in it on this movie, but the kids, will, they won't really notice. That the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak, or you might say to the younger. If someone with a weak conscience, a younger person sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? And so Paul has a dramatic, weird, revolutionary conclusion. He says, therefore, if what I eat, what I watch, causes my brother or sister, my son or daughter to fall into sin, to fall into the pit, I will never eat meat again. It's not worth it. I'll never watch TV again, Paul is saying. So I will not cause them to fall. That is about, isn't it, considerateness and caring about others in the room with you as well. Maybe something you can see and you can handle because you're a mature adult. But it may not be something everybody in that room should see because they can't handle it as well. And the parable today, I suppose what comes closest is Uh, about this word that's sown in our hearts? Is it the word of television or the world of television telling you what you need and what you want in some compelling, sexy, beautiful, attractive way that you really don't need and don't want until they convince you to be unhappy and discontented? Or, like the parable, the word of the Lord that gives life and the company of His people trying a countercultural lifestyle. I think the seed sown among the thorns speaks best for, to what TV does. On Sunday, folks come to worship. 
bless you, bless all of us for our willingness to give the Lord this time this morning. We hear the words, we get reminded of important things, we get fed and nourished. But for the next six days, unless we are different, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Watch out for television being the deceitfulness, the desire, and the choking of God's life-giving word in your life. But remember also what Jesus offers as a final reality and a final possibility for you and for me. He, he taught others like seeds sown on good soil. Worship, small group life, quiet time for prayers and Bible reading. Others like seeds sown on that kind of good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, 30 times, some 60, wow, some even 100 times what was sown. Okay, remember, in conclusion, I'm not saying everyone needs to get rid of their TV, but some have and some are glad they have. Not Ellen and I, but I admire those who have and I appreciate their stories. But what I am saying this morning about being weird and being revolutionary is think, <laughs> What I am saying is that we all can choose to be intentional about how we use the TV and how we allow it into our lives, our homes, into our daily living. Rather than let the TV set the ground rules on all the time, let us shock you or reduce you, let us create discontent in your life, you as masters of your home and your own life set the ground rules. The green slits. No TV on the premises. The Prescott's in a closet. Others minimally using it. Be intentional. Now, wouldn't that be weird? Revolutionary. What if some nights the TV was off? Or some days the TV was off and you enjoyed something else? Time, conversation. Be intentional. Think. Beware of Facebook, beware of the internet, beware of your smartphone, Are other places to just disappear and get lost, or is this time to be with your people? Maybe it's time simply to turn the channel, and that's all you need to do. Regardless, be weird, be revolutionary, be faithful to the Lord, and multiply a hundredfold. Amen.